What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. Once again, we are out of the studio, and we are here with, man, a, a guy I've been watching for so long. I am such a huge fan of. I've been wanting him on this show since I started doing it. I'm so excited that we get to do this in person. We're here with Shelton Benjamin. Shelton, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. So, well. so I want to start <laughs> off asking you what I start off asking everyone else that I interview on the show, and that's okay. how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? Um, I would say a, about 80%. <clears throat> um, I, uh, I don't feel like I've really ever played a character. I played, I play situations. I don't really play a character. Um, because I, I, I use my real name. I am Shelton Benjamin. It's on my birth certificate. You know, it's what my mom calls me. So, it, but I think in some cases I kind of sometimes wish maybe I should have taken on a more animated, uh, version of myself but like i said i i just i just play the i play situations as a somewhat grumpier somewhat angrier shelton benjamin in most cases but yeah yeah i mean just from sitting here and talking to you before we started for a few minutes i see so much more like uh less you're more, much more serious on wwe tv right. than you are in person it seems you know what i really hate that that's the case because Again, when I play, I I play the situations. Hanging out with you, I mean, this is great in, in a nice hotel. I'm not really happy about this cold city at the moment. <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, typically, you know, a lot of the situations you see me in on television are not the. I'm not really in the happiest of moods. Um, so it's hard for me to play funny or goofy or even personable when I'm really playing a situation where I'm stuff where I've been wronged or, you know, from a character standpoint, my character is frustrated as hell. So I, like I said, I play the situations and you put me in a situation where I have to be funny, goofy, personable. Oh, well then that's what you'll get. But as long as I'm an angry person, it's like, oh, I can only be an angry person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to kind of like be more, uh, got to play more of a character we do the Mama Benjamin stuff. You got to kind of play oh, and have some fun. Oh yeah, that was, you know, Wow, he went back in the past. I did. Benjamin. Wow. That's he, how you know I'm a fan. He, he put, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. Like, one, most people, uh, my, the Mama Benjamin stuff gets such a bad rep. And what people don't realize, I was having the time of my life. We were doing these funny skits every week. We were working with Mr. McMahon, you know, all the time. I remember the, the, the one skit where he, uh, you know, she walked on, on him with his pants down. And, <laughs> You know, like it's hard to contain laughter just thinking back to those times because it was, it was so much fun and it was so silly. And again, I was playing a, uh, you know, a, a mama's boy. You know, so and my mom, well, the other doll who played, who did a tremendous job yep. of of playing mama. I mean, she she was a scene stealer. Oh yeah. So it's to me, it was a lot of fun. Now. I like to ask people this, so, you know, not to turn the interview around on you, but how long do you think that actually lasted? I feel like it was only a few months, right? Yeah. Start to finish, eight weeks. God, really? Okay, so yeah, really, it was literally like a few months, two right. months, crazy. Yeah, so um, I think, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what happened. I know she had a few legit health issues that were a concern, and there, there's, you know, there's other stuff that I've heard that at the time I was completely unaware of but we won't get into that but uh 
but she did a tremendous job and and it really at the time it i needed something i definitely needed something and for you know people to say oh he never recovered from that like no are you crazy i had so much fun with that and it's it's memorable when you're in pro wrestling like you want to do things that are memorable you don't i don't want to just be on the roster and you know yeah he had a nice long career i don't i don't care good bad negative when people are talking about you in our world like there are no negatives so as as long as people remember it i all i remember is having a good time with it so yeah playing that character was it was pretty easy thanks to the thea i mean she kind of <laughs> she, she kind of <laughs> well, she was a pro yeah i mean i i think you know I loved 90s sitcoms when I was, I, I loved all those early 90s sitcoms. So I loved her sitcom. I watched right. Thea when I was a kid. So right. when she came into WWE, I was like one of the few people like, hey, that's cool. Thea's in oh, WWE yeah. now. It's funny. I, I knew exactly who she was uh, when she came in. And I remember the last, you know, when it bought, when it came down to deciding who would actually be Mama Benjamin, it was uh, me, Mr. McMahon, and uh, one of our producers named Kasama. And, you know, we, we did a couple skits with, a, with another woman and Thea. And when it was all said and done, like, my mind was made up as soon as I realized it was Thea. Okay. <laughs> and, but when she came in and blew everyone out of the park and, you know, at the time, me being where I was, I'm trying to think of all this, all these technical reasons of why, oh, well, she did this better, she did this better. Trying to sound off professional. I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and, and Mr. McMahon just goes, I just think she's better. <laughs> plain and simple. Plain and simple. Yeah, like, like I'm dancing around. It's like, oh yeah, yes, yes. I think she's better. So, um, the the first time you saw her was the day we picked her. That's crazy. So yeah, and like I said, she came in. She she blew it out of the water. Man, I love hearing that you looked at that time fondly. Look back on that time fondly. Because, oh. I mean, I think you're right. A lot of people did say that, and they still say it, like, oh, why would they have done that? Well, right. I mean, I, I, like you said, it was memorable. Like people right. still remember it to this day. I remember it to this day. It was what you know. I just remember, like I said, it was fun. I was on I was on worldwide television, international television every week, uh, being a cut up, working with Mr. McMahon. Which you know, when you're doing that, I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, if if it wasn't some people's taste, well, well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, when we were talking about your real true self and the character, um, what words would you use to describe your personality in real life? Big kid. Big kid. Big kid. I love video games. I love collecting, like, vintage and some new action figures. I, like, I have a toy collection that would make most adults go, what is wrong with this guy? What's the prize one in your collection? I have a giant, uh, it's called a... From a hot hot toys line, a Hulkbuster. Okay. It stands about yay big. It weighs about twenty something pounds. And if you watch, you know, the, the Avengers movie yep. when Hulk fought Tony and the Hulkbuster, it's uh completely recreated. It's, it's everything to the smallest little detail. And it has an actual Iron Man that stands about that tall that fits into it. <sighs> So sick. I actually put it on my Instagram with me when I first got it, putting all the batteries for the lights. <laughs> that's my prize. Do you have a whole toy room at home? That's like your of course. Man, zone, man cave oh, of zone? Of course, of course. So you come up to my house, like I don't allow little kids to go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no children allowed <laughs> no in my children toy upstairs. room. Uh, funny story, uh, when I first, this is years ago, um, 
I had a bunch of people over for a UFC fight, and in my upstairs, I had like a couch and a TV. But on this one wall, like I had all these action figures. And at the time, um, Shad Gaspard, you know, he had came over with his uh, newborn son, and we're all playing. Well, his son sees this glass case full of toys. And he keeps going over and trying to open it to get to the toys. And I keep, oh, no. And, <laughs> and I remember, like, all the guys there, Carlito was one of them. Like, yeah, he's thinking, I'm, what, what, what am I doing wrong? Because, you know, those <laughs> are toys. toys. Those yeah. are toys. They're for me. And I'm like, yes. Uh, sorry, kid. Hey, I got, I got this toy over here. But no, he wants that big glass case with, like. <laughs> he wants to bust the Hulk buster. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in my old office, I had a bunch of action figures all over my desk when I worked at TMZ and one of my coworkers, her son started watching wrestling, but he was very young too. And uh, I had like all these toys that weren't on my desk, like in a box in my in a drawer. And I was like, you know what? You take them, like right. I'm passing them on to you. And then he got over them in like a year and stopped watching wrestling. And in my mind, in the back of my mind, I was always like, should I ask that kid for my toys back? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like there were some cool ones in there. I was being nice and I didn't even watch, man. You know, uh, based on that experience with with Uriah, the shed son, I was like, okay, I got to get a generic stash that <laughs> a slightly bigger one that I can direct the kids to. Okay, anything in this box, you <laughs> knock yourself out, but you stay away from that stuff behind the glass. <laughs> Do you? I noticed, you know, obviously, God rest Shad's soul. I love Shad. Shad was like a such a nice guy. Absolutely. And of everyone <clears throat> wrestling, he was one of the few wrestlers that I was actually close with. I, nicest guy. Um, I've noticed you try to stay in his family's life since. Is that right. important to you? It, it's, it's very important. Like I said, um, when you get in this business, it's really hard to find friends. You make a lot of acquaintances. You meet a lot of people, but you don't make a lot of friends. And Shad is one of the people that I consider a brother. Um, from the time he got here, like we took to each other like ducks in waters. And you know, for some, <clears throat> sometimes Shad could be an acquired taste because Shad's a big, if Shad walked in the room right now, I would have to, I, I, he would probably take over the interview. Oh, 100%. Because he's, he's that guy, but you know, he's also the guy that you can't hate him. You know, you can't stay mad at him. You love him to death. And like I said, we became so close and, uh, you know, I was with him when he became a dad and everything. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm so jealous. You got this beautiful little son. And like, I, I want a son too. And like, uh, so yeah, so when he, passed away, you know, it, for me, it was losing a family member. So just like any other family, I, 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 I look out for, you know, his family, his, you know, his son, uh, his, his widow. I stay in very close contact with them. Like if they need anything, if I have it, they have it. And, and like I said, I, it, it's, it was such a crushing blow to everybody uh, when he left. So like, the least I can do for my friend, for my brother is, you know, try to keep an eye as close as an eye I can on his son, because now you have a, you have a child growing up without a dad and that's, you know, I grew up without a father. So I understand the importance of having that to, to have it and then lose it so suddenly and so tragically, like that kid's got a, he's got a lot of challenges. So I want to at least be around to try to help him with him. And it's not just me. Like, I mean, we have a whole, network of, of really close friends, myself, MVP, Mark Henry. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, I don't want to miss a name, but he was big Rick, Rick Long. Um, so a, a lot of guys who, you know, we're close friends. And, and I would hope that if anything were to happen to me, they would, you know, someone would step up 
for my family as well. Yep. So yeah, I mean, absolutely, <clears throat> and I and and it's so commendable that you've all done that. I mean, the fact that you've all you know taken that and become a support system for the two of them. Right. Like, I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be incredibly valuable for him growing up to just have father figures in his life still. I mean, it's, it's especially when he was such a good dad. I mean, he was so oh, involved he was in his so kid's life. so involved. Like, Shad was the most proud dad I'd ever seen. Anytime I saw him with his son, like, he was always teaching him. He wanted him to take him everywhere. You know, Shad loved showing off, like, because, you know, Arias got hands, his son's got hands. So it's like, he wanted to show you. And like, he'd be, you know, doing all the little boxing drills with him, like, and like I said, when you think about that stuff, it's so heartbreaking to know that, you know, that he doesn't have that anymore. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get sentimental if I keep going down here. So. No, I get it, dude, trust me. I, I was even thinking the same thing. Like I, like I, like I obviously like we weren't best friends like you guys were or anything like that, but it was someone who I really liked a lot. So right. one of the few people, like a celebrity or whatever, you know, who when they passed, like I cried. Like it was, I was yeah. very, very sad, you know? Well, the thing about it, Shad never, you know, Shad never acted like a celebrity. If if Shad, I said this many times, once you met him and hung out with him, Shad would treat you like you were his favorite person in the room, in in, in a room full of people that are his favorite people. I saw him at Comic Con <coughs> once after we became friendly, and I'll never forget. We were at Comic Con, which is a very big room when you're in that main convention mm -hmm. space, and we were like on opposite sides of the convention hall, and he like saw me and was like, "Yo!" and like came running. <laughs> I came right over, and then like picked me up like above his oh, head yeah. and like carried me around. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he's he, he was that way. Yeah. Big kid. <laughs> Very much so. Um, do you still stay involved in the amateur wrestling scene? So not as much as I I would like to. Um, I kind of really started focusing on my own career and in, in the pro wrestling when I left WWE back in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, for me, there just wasn't any room for it. I, you know, I keep my ear uh, to the ground on it. And anytime I have questions, like I can always call uh, Coach Agam at the University of Minnesota because, you know, he was my roommate <coughs> and uh, and teammate and everything. So uh, I get most, but believe it or not, I get most of my news through Charlie. Okay. Charlie is, he's very, he's got his two sons. And so he's very much involved. So he's always calling me and telling me about all these guys. Like, hey, you see WWE signed AJ Ferrara and all these, you know, it's like, like, that's cool, Charlie. T to the point where it's like, oh, okay, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got uh, it. Got yeah, it. Got it. Yeah. I, I heard you the, the fifth time. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were a kid or when you were younger, what was it about the amateur wrestling that, that drew you to it? Pro wrestling. So you were, because I always wonder if it's pro wrestling. That's, I did amateur wrestling for, you know, in high school for two years. And similarly, it was like, I watch pro wrestling, so I should do amateur right. wrestling. So in my case, what happened, like as a kid, the only amateur wrestler I knew at the time was John Smith. I knew he was great only because I saw, I don't think maybe like on the sports channel, they kind of highlighted him winning the Olympics and some, th and some things like that. So I was hearing his voice a lot. But that was only for like one summer or whatever. That might have been the, the year he won the Olympics, but I just heard a lot of his name. And that was pretty much all I knew about amateur wrestling. When I got to high school, um, the our high school wrestling coach was also one of the football coaches. And I was playing football. He was, and he just kind of noticed how athletic I, I was and everything. So he was trying to recruit me my freshman year in high school. And I was, I was just having none of it. Um, my sophomore year, 
uh, and again, his name was Coach Jackson, Coach Riley Jackson. After football practice, you know, wrestling season was just starting up and football, you know, they were kind of overlapping. So one day after football practice, he asked me, say, hey, Shelton, you want to ride home? And I'm like, oh, sure, coach. I lived, I could have walked home. Okay. Like, I lived that close, less than a mile from the school. I could have walked home. So we immediately left our three-hour football practice, <clears throat> and he drove me straight to the wrestling <laughs> practice. And I was like, where are we going? Oh, we're just going to go to the school real quick. I'm just... So we get in there, and he's like, oh, why don't you try it out? I'm like, Coach, I want to go home. <laughs> I just practiced for three hours. Right. So we, uh, so I got in, started practicing with the team, and you know that one day turned into every day. And yeah, luckily for me, like with amateur wrestling, I just took to it like a duck to water because I started as a sophomore. Um, my first year. I don't remember exactly how many matches I had, but I know I lost nine matches. I lost a total of 11 matches in high school. Damn, crazy. So, yeah, so I, it I it was it was just meant to be. Now, when I got in there, of course, I'm thinking where's the ropes? <laughs> yes. Where's the mat? Uh at one point I I was like I I legit hip tossed two guys in amateur, <laughs> as an amateur wrestler. In, in a match? In a match. Oh my God. In a match. <laughs> you know, one guy pushing him. <laughs> legit hip toss. So, so it was my love of pro wrestling that got me into amateur wrestling. Um, that and the strong arming of my, <laughs> my high school coach. <laughs> but like I said, it, it, it turned into my passion and you know, once you realize you're good at something, because like I said, for me, amateur wrestling came so easy. And I was a very, very angry teenager. So amateur wrestling gave me an outlet for me to take out my aggressions on somebody. You know, you can't punch me, you can't kick them, but you can toss them around and twist them up. So <laughs> You get them in one of those real, <laughs> real tight, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, and I, I think between that and it started changing my life because, you know, my name was in the picture and I, and one, I guess one turning point in my life. And it's just, it's just a small moment. I was walking through an apartment complex, um, not far from my house and two police officers were walking towards me and, you know, me being, you know, I never have run-ins with the cops, but you know, I wasn't exactly happy to see police. <laughs> yeah. But as they were walking past me, one of them just looks at me and goes, oh, hey, Shelton. And, just, and I was like, hey, and they just keep on walking. And f for me, that, that was when I realized people were paying attention. And for, it was like, oh, wow. Okay, so now if they're paying attention, well, I don't, wanna, I don't want them to see anything bad. So that that's when I guess I started metamorphosizing into, <clears throat> I guess the model student, the model athlete. Um, and then my, the next year, my, what I consider my best friend, my coach, my mentor, coach Ron Donlake, he came and he started really guiding me and, you know, teaching me how to, you know, be successful. So between, you know, it was 
a culmination of things as far as amateur wrestling goes. That's why I have, I have a strong love for it because really it, it changed my life. And you know, the people involved with it changed my life. And like, I look at it, it's my favorite sport. Uh, pro wrestling is my job, it's entertainment, but amateur wrestling is and always will be my favorite sport. Do you think that, so did finding wrestling help you get out of that angry mindset that you had been in when you were younger? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because like I said, I had an outlet um, because we were, you know, I was I was in a single parent home. My mom had to do everything. So a lot of the, a lot of the, I was one, I was the second of, of four. Okay. So a lot of the babysitting duties fell on me. Yep. Cleaning duties fell on me. My first couple of years, I had to take my little brother and little sister to practice with me and to games with me. And my, co and my thankfully, my coaches allowed it just so I could be a part of these, these things. So, so you've been playing father figure role since you were a kid then. Right. And uh, because, like I said, because I had these outlets, like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, because of all the benefits that were coming, you know, you get a little less angry. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I started taking on, like I said, a more fatherly role, but I started thinking to myself, okay, I'm the big brother. So a lot of what I do and how I present myself and how I, I try to portray myself even today started because I wanted to be a good big brother figure to my little brother. Yep. So that's where it also, you know, that for me, that's where it starts. Me wanting to be a good big brother to my little brother and it expands from there, you know, I, uh, you know, I recognize uh, I didn't I didn't sign on to be a role model, but I am. Yep. So I recognize that. So I, that's why I'm, I'm very, very measured in what I say, how I say things, how I present myself, what I say on social media, how I say it. Um, because like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, someone's kids watching me and they're really paying attention to what I'm I'm saying. And, you know, uh, I think when it comes to like different industries, for example, the rap, the rap community, a lot of people look at that and they, that's what they draw on. That's what they, they model themselves after what they, what they think they're seeing, yep. what they think is real. Yep. So for the person who sees me and doesn't understand what I'm doing, okay, this is, this is entertainment. Um, I don't want, I don't want to be so far out there that you know, I create a monster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Totally. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want. I don't want to have any hand in creating monsters. Confident, you know, even cocky a little bit, but but in essence, good people. Well, I saw you posted on Instagram um, that picture of Sidney Poitier and mm -hmm. talked about how he was a good role model for you. So I mean, right. it's, it's probably. I, was, I would assume it's important for you to put out a similar image of someone that, like you were just saying, of someone that someone can look up to. Right. Um, in the case of Sidney Poitier, like I said, he when I when I when I start becoming more, I don't want to say woke because that's such a over oh, yeah yeah played out term <clears throat> yeah I when I when I be just becoming more aware of of entertainment in Hollywood and you know how black men are portrayed. Um, when I looked at City Portier, I wasn't seeing that. Yep. Um, as opposed to say you know movies like Superfly or Shaft or. You know these typical, you know, cool badass. No, Sidney Poitier was—he was an artist. Yes, he was an—he was an actor. You could have put him in any role, and he would have knocked it out of the park. Oh yeah. So, uh, and he was—he was a very dark-skinned black man. Mm -hmm. I wasn't used to seeing that 
in the kind of movies that he that he was in. Like this. Well, he was a trendsetter for that reason. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. So, um, and I look at when I look at Sydney, I can't look at Sydney without looking at Denzel, and I can't, you know, and it just kind of keeps moving along those trends. So when it came time for me to become a pro wrestler, I was like, okay, number one, I'm not a rapper. <laughs> yes. I'm not a hip hop guy. So I don't even want to, I don't want to play that. Also, yeah, I have a history of being thuggish. I do have that history. That's really not like, like again, it was like, okay, that's so such a dated thing to do. So, so when I down when I dyed my hair blonde, that was me going, hey, I'm gonna do something off the wall. Um, unexpected and not typical of someone of my size. You know, obviously Butch Reed had done it. And, you know, <clears throat> for me, uh I was I was kind of stealing the look from a from a wrestler named Derek King. Okay. Um <laughs> so it was just I, I just wanted to do something a little far out there that'll make people go, what is he thinking? And go from there because, and it worked. It did it. <laughs> it did exactly what I wanted it to do. But again, I I just like to be different. So, but I feel like my mindset that all came full circle with the hurt business because the hurt business we weren't rappers, we weren't we weren't you know for athletes or thugs or anything like that. We were good-looking, well-dressed, well-spoken, badasses who got business taken care of. And that's why it connected <clears throat> with so many people. Right. That's why it resonated with a lot of people. Right. And, um, but also, there are certain things that don't need to be said. You can look at us and see that we're all <laughs> black. Yeah. So we don't need to mention it. Uh, a lot of people, when we first started, they was like, oh, this is the nation of domination. Like, no, we're not Muslim. It's none of that. All you need to see is well-dressed, well-spoken badasses. Everything else, well, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, oh, the Hurt Business, too. By the way, Brandon over there was devastated when you guys broke up. He was he <laughs> was so mad, my producer. So you guys, he's one of those people you guys uh, resonated with. But, like, I think that also with the Hurt Business, I, when I was talking to MVP on the show, the show recently, he was telling me that you kind of pushed for him to play the manager role. That basically Bobby had the idea for that part right. that you were like, you know, that's MVP all day. Right. And you also pushed for Cedric to be in the group because you guys had befriended each other. So I feel like you have to be massively proud of what you guys did considering you were a big part of putting that all together. Well, I mean, without a doubt, I am I am so proud. Like that's, the Hurt Business may go down as my crowning achievement um, in professional wrestling. Uh, to your point, when I think when Bobby first thought of it like Bobby this is before MVP got here and Bobby was saying yeah we just pushed together and like you could be like the manager and talking and, and I'm sitting there thinking like that's, that's that's not me like like what you're describing um I, I don't know the name of the guy uh Bobby. it was Suge Knight he told me on the show Suge Knight and uh and uh the Rock from Ballers was like the initial right. 
So but when Bobby, I mean, but when he was describing it to me, he didn't mention Suge Knight, but I was just thinking from a presentation and the way he was describing it, I was like, I don't know his name. We may have to look it up, but I believe it's uh, Mayweather's manager. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I, off the top of his head, but I, I remember when we did the things years ago with Mayweather, I remember, I don't remember his name, but I just remember he was this black guy, well-dressed and super cool. And he was, and anytime you see Mayweather, he's right there. Okay. Like if you look at any me, he's, I don't remember his name, but, uh, but when I was picturing that, like that's what I was picturing. And I was like, yeah, that's not me. That's, that's MVP. MVP likes suits. I hate suits. <laughs> MVP is a very slick talker. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a slick talker. I'm. I like to have fun, and I'll, you know, I'll yell and everything. But you know, talking, talking was not your forte. It's not. It's. It's not my strongest suit. It, it wasn't. Well, historically, it hadn't been. I'm a lot better than people like to give me credit for. I, I, but dude, I was. I feel the same way because in this whole <laughs> conversation, we were like, oh, you're not gonna problem. But like, you've been the most charismatic like dude in this 30 minute conversation. Well, again, because I, and that goes back to I'm I'm playing the situation. Situation, yeah. Um, but yeah, but as but as I'm listening to Bobby's idea, I'm like, that's MVP. Like, no. How he, long before he came back was this? When Bobby originally told me, this was we were in San Antonio. It was actually the San Antonio after Rumble. Okay. And MVP had just come back. Had just come back and he came, he was in San Antonio. So again, but MVP hadn't officially signed yeah. yet. But I remember as he's telling me, I'm like, no, this is everything you're saying, this is this is MVP. You want a slick talker? Like, cause MVP, like he's so it's so natural for him. Um like, no, that's the guy you want for that. Like, if, if anything, I'll, t- I'll be your partner. You know, if you want me to talk, we can try it. But I guarantee you, he'd be 100 times better. And it's just, just you know, I'm, I've, I'm fine with moving aside for someone who does a better job. Yep. And uh, brings everyone up. It brings everyone up. And so, you know, uh, eventually they signed MVP and eventually it got to that. Um, so when when we formed the Hurt Business, again, MVP, he's been my good friend for years. We live five minutes from each other. Um, you know, we all have history with each other. Me and MVP were partners in Japan. Him and MVP were partners in another universe. And <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so we all had history. Yeah. So as soon as they... When they put us together, like we were like, okay, this is this is cool. Like we can have fun with this. And and uh I think the when they started putting us on underground, like I just remember that 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 time when when we just beat up everybody in underground. For me, that was I I, I think that was the moment that the office realized, wait a minute, we got something. You know, we beat everybody up and then we put the coats on at the end. It was like, <laughs> the, wheels, the wheels start turning. And I mean, and from then it, it just, I mean, it, it just evolved so fast and everything happened so fast. And it was, it was fun, it was exciting. And then like when we brought in Cedric, like we actually sat down and went through the list of 
available talent. And we were saying, okay, it, ca it came down to Apollo, Ricochet, and Cedric. Okay. And at the time, they had just started, uh, you know, big things started happening for Apollo. And so he ended up being more of a rival than anything. Ricochet, we felt like Ricochet is, I don't think Ricochet needs us. Like he's- He's got his own thing. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a star. Yeah. Cedric was perfect because again, he was, in all of our opinions, underutilized and overqualified. So like, and I had, I had actual, uh, I have a background with him, uh, you know, with Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. So, and I, you know, I knew him and we all loved him. It's like, dad, that's, that's the best one for this position. And he came in, he was a young hothead. And like I said, everything just came together perfectly. And the rest was just fun. The rest was just so much fun. And uh, I think a lot of what made us successful, even when we were wrestling, like we looked out for each other, uh, you know, in backstage situations and things like that, if someone wasn't there or if some people had ideas, like we knew what we knew what we were trying to do and we defended that position because, you know, with pro wrestling, a lot of times you can be too generous yep, um, or, or you can be too selfish. And we, we, we found a way to find a happy medium, but not at, the, not at our expense. And so that's why things just came together so nicely and like say worked so well. We're having so much fun with it. So it, it was a great time. It was one of the best for historically one of the worst of times for us. It was one of the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I got two topics here left before I let you go. Um, you've been talking about your friends and some of your people who you're friends with. You're famously one of Brock Lesnar's friends as well. People and. I, I don't know of Brock Lesnar having many friends because he's such a private dude. So you're one of the few people I know who's actually friends with him. Right. Uh, the current version that we're seeing on TV right now, the most like he is in real life? I would say is, it's the most like he is in real life amongst people that he likes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, I tell people all the time that the, one of the cool things about Brock is you never have to wonder where you stand with him. Because he'll he'll tell you, he'll show you, he'll he either wants nothing to do with you, you know, or you're a good friend. Like look, you know. So what you're seeing to me is just Brock when he's relaxed and amongst friends. Um But what you've seen from Brock for years, no, you're you you're basically seeing another honest side of Brock. Because what you've seen for the last twenty something years, no, that's that's not acting. That's that's Brock. That's Brock in the ring, outside the ring. You, the same sort of confidence, commanding presence, commanding attitude, everything. That's Brock. Period. Like he's not playing a role. He's, he's not playing the situation. He's just going out there and being himself. But what he is is a monster. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You're just you're just being allowed to see. Okay, well. This is the monster when he's amongst, you know. He's amongst his friends. Yeah. Hence so. the cowboy hat. Exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, well, we've reached the end here, but I like to finish every episode off with a segment I call The Finishing Move, where I talk to my guest about, obviously, their finishing move. So for you, that's the pay dirt. Who's your favorite superstar to hit the pay dirt on and why? Favorite superstar to hit the pay dirt on? Who? <sighs> someone who makes it look the best, someone you just enjoy being able to beat afterwards. So there have been some people that have taken it like, I remember Colin Delaney taking it and deep I'm like- cut. I love that. Oh yeah, deep cut. <laughs> I mean, he he took it awesome. My, uh, my favorite one is my personal bad luck charm, I call him, uh, Carlito. We had a match where I hit it from him off the top rope. So that was, that's probably my favorite, my favorite one. Well, you've skipped ahead because that's the, that's the closing one, but okay, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll call him Delaney for who's your favorite person to hit it on because he took it so well. Well, he took it, I mean, he, he took it amazingly. Shannon Moore did a, some great stuff too. Um, I've hit it on Kofi a few times, but I pretty much, I haven't hit it on him recently. And, and due to our video game rivalry, I really want to. <laughs> yeah that makes sense that definitely makes sense <laughs> um lastly because you said the most so the most memorable time was the one off the top rope to carlito mm -hmm. uh then lastly where did the name of the pay dirt come from uh the name came from uh fit finley okay um because when we were when i just started doing it i, I was you know doing the gold standard gimmick and everything was you know, gold oriented. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Fit Finley. It was Mike Rotunda. Okay. And and I was just thinking about, okay, we're doing all these gold metaphors, things, things like that. And Mike like, well, I'll just call it pay dirt. You know, if you're digging for gold, when you finally find gold, you hit pay dirt. So why don't you call it pay dirt? Like, I have <clears throat> always wondered what that meant. I don't, that term is not, I've, I've never really dug for things. So like right. that term is like whew, over my head. That, that makes so much sense now. Yeah. I've always, I mean, I've never like taken the time to go research it, but that makes a ton of sense now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. I had a blast chatting with you. Oh, thank you. I had so much fun. Cool, good, I'm All glad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Now, before we get out of here, I got a few things I gotta talk to you about. First, make sure you subscribe to Add a Character on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any of that kind of stuff, make sure that you are subscribed to this show on there. And if you can, if they let you, please leave a review and or a rating. It really does help this show get on more people's radar. So please keep doing that. I'm very appreciative of those of you who have done that. Also, make sure that you go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown every week, and you can find the full version of this show on video every Monday when it premieres at 9 a.m. Pacific time on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe there, and when the video goes up, you can click the little star to get notified once the premiere begins. Also, go follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You should be following WWE on Fox. Okay, that's it, I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.